When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are only eight days into 2024 and already so much has happened. We have reached the end of the regular season in the NFL. Tonight we have a national championship game. We have had coaches fired, hired, and also I've seen Pat McAfee absolutely go off on his employer. What could be next? I'm dying to know. Outkick the Morning starts right now. Hello and good morning to each and every one of you. Welcome into Outkick the Morning. I am Charlie Arnold. Hope all of you had a fabulous weekend. I definitely did. Uh, I was all over the place, eating lots of good food, drinking lots of good wine, you know, all of the things. Um, So I hope you're all coming into Monday morning feeling very refreshed because we have a lot to talk about. 2024, I must say, off to a very good start. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but hear me out. It kind of seems like we may be on the verge of coming back to our senses in this country. Maybe, just maybe, the pendulum is swinging back to the middle after an overcorrection in 2020 and the summer, as we remember, of racial reckoning. Take today, for example, the Monday after the NFL regular season has concluded when many coaches learn their fate in the NFL, long known as Black Monday. Well, until a few years ago when I was still working at ESPN and I can very distinctly remember We were specifically instructed by managers to no longer call it Black Monday because, like many silly things with absolutely no racial connection, the DEI police deemed it offensive. So just imagine the chuckle that I got when this weekend I saw numerous headlines using the phrase Black Monday once again. Take Newsweek as one example. Or there was even NBC New York, which, by the way, is an official NFL league partner. Truly a breath of fresh air. Another great example of how I believe we could be heading in the right direction as a country and another very refreshing start to the new year. We finally see American athletes who are proud to sing the national anthem after winning a championship for their country. This is a huge contrast from the Megan Rapinos of the world we are used to seeing. Watch this. Okay, so this was the men's junior hockey team uh, before entering into the world championship. As you can see, not only are they standing and singing the anthem, they are just getting riled up, so rowdy, the biggest smiles on their faces. They are truly proud to represent this country. And that is what I recall when I was growing up, watching sports, watching the Olympics, watching world championships, watching even just a regular game on TV, whether it been in the NFL or the NBA, people feeling proud to represent this country. I feel like for a while we got away from that. 
maybe not everyone felt like they were so proud to be in this country, or maybe people just felt pressure of some sort to pretend uh, like they weren't proud to be part of this country. But this this demonstration, exactly what we need to see and what we are so excited to see. But also, on the subject of hockey, score one for the women, the real women, of the new professional women's hockey league here in the United States. A record crowd for them on Saturday night as the league broke a record for the biggest crowd in women's pro hockey history with more than 13,000 people showing up to support the ladies in Minnesota. So we are off to a great start in 2024, America. I say to keep it up. Also, who does not love a good comeback story in this country? You know, people who pick themselves up and with grit and determination fulfill their dreams when the odds are truly stacked against them. For example, let's take Michael Penix Jr., quarterback for the Washington Huskies, in the national championship game tonight. The story, if you don't know about it, absolutely wild. Okay, so here we go. Let's start at the beginning. Tennessee pulled his scholarship offer back in 2017-2018 before he went on to attend Indiana University. Then, unfortunately, came a long string of injuries while he was at IU. 2018, tears his ACL. 2019, a season-ending shoulder injury. 2022, another torn ACL. 2021, a season-ending joint injury. So at this point, as you can imagine, I imagine this would be going through my head, Penix Jr. considering retirement. But then, he decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still stay in the game. And he transfers to Washington. Where in 2022, he went on to lead the Huskies to an 11-2 record. And now, here we are, 2023, just a few weeks ago, Panix Jr. leading Washington to a 13-0 undefeated season. And now, to start off 2024, playing for a national championship. How insane is this story? These are the stories we love to hear that really represent the athletes that deserve to be talked about. But it's not just the Penix Juniors who's in the spotlight in the national championship on this Monday, because also score one for every employee who has ever wanted to stand up to their boss. Only this time, we saw it done very publicly as Pat McAfee was bashing, absolutely bashing ESPN's third in command while, get this, this is the most bizarre part about all of it, while he was live on ESPN's airwaves. So obviously, there's a lot to talk about. Lots of things happening in 2024. So I could only think of one person who I needed to get reaction from on all of the storylines, starting with Pat McAfee. So here last night, I caught up with OutKick founder Clay Travis to get into all the things. Listen. Okay, Clay, thank you first and foremost. Thanks for joining me. I know you're still jet lagged from uh, the three weeks (laughs) you spent in Australia. Yes. Uh, But... Listen, you come home, immediately you're hit with tons of headlines. Uh, what more could you expect? Uh, one of which uh, really struck a chord with me being, you know, form- formerly employed by ESPN for five years, uh, that Pat McAfee would literally just take it upon himself to trash Norby Williamson, one of the highest up guys at ESPN, uh, because he thinks that his show, like they're trying to sabotage his numbers. Uh, and he, he he did not hold back. Uh, what was your reaction first? I mean, I know you spoke about this already a few days ago um, when he was so bold to make these statements on his show on ESPN's airwaves uh, and and really just speak as truthfully as he possibly could. Yeah, look, I was uh, I, I don't know that we've seen this on television, um, certainly not at ESPN or Fox or anywhere else where somebody goes out and he called his boss a rat and mm-hmm. a- 
victim of sabotaging his program by leaking information to, uh, I think it was the New York Post, uh, about the ratings. And there's a couple of things that I think are interesting about that, and I'll circle back to it. But to me, what ESPN basically has done is they've taken Pat McAfee's side. Uh, now, they put out a statement saying, Oh, we like this other guy, Norby Williamson. I don't know him. You may well have had interactions with him. Before. I, I, I have I have sat down personally with Norby Williamson before. Yes. So I know him. Yeah. So I think he's the third highest ranked person at ESPN. Uh, uh, the flow charts can sometimes get a bit confusing. But today we're taping this on Sunday night. I'm watching the NFL games get complete uh, as we're taping this. Pat McAfee put out a picture of him with ESPN's number two overall, Burke Magnus, at the Colts game last night, mm -hmm. which I know you're a Colts fan. They choked, yeah. dropped a fourth down pass. I lost that game gambling. Congratulations to the Texans who won the AFC South. But that was not just a idle post. When you have second in command at ESPN with you and you're talking about what a great night it was, it's really a slap in the face to Norby Williamson and maybe an endorsement in some way of the idea that Pat McAfee was correct, that there was information being shared that was negative about his program. Now, I mentioned uh, that I thought it was fascinating. One of the things that I think ESPN is dealing with here is, and I know you worked at ESPN, so, so you probably have experienced this firsthand. For a long time, ESPN believed their platform was the star maker. And that if you left, you wouldn't matter anymore. Absolutely. And they it was plug and play and they could find somebody else and they could I think they it. still feel like that in many ways, to be honest. Yeah. Well, so what's fascinating to me about McAfee is they had to go outside of ESPN to bring him in. And they had to give him a lot of creative control over his show. Now, I would suggest that what they're trying to do is mix and match two audiences that don't necessarily correspond that well. I think Stephen A. Smith brings an audience that is different than the audience that Pat McAfee would bring. Uh, I think they're trying to balance digital new age, YouTube, uh, Instagram, viral video moments with the traditional ESPN channel. And I think that is a challenging programmatic aspect to try to balance out. And I think there are people who believe that McAfee doesn't fit ESPN's overall cultural zeitgeist. Uh, and I'm sure that he's right, that there are people who are opposed to him inside of that building. But to me, what's really fascinating about it is it doesn't seem like there's going to be any consequences for him calling right. one of his bosses a rat, saying that he was sabotaged. I'm headed down tomorrow uh, to the national championship game between Washington and Michigan with my Michigan grad wife uh, who wants to go <laughs> to a great extent. So I'm just going to be in the crowd. But the biggest event that ESPN puts on every year right now is in terms of audience on ESPN exclusive is the national title game. And McAfee's going to be a big part of that. So, yeah, and that's I what I wanted to ask. It's kind of a new era. Yeah. Do you think, because like you said, I mean, wall to wall coverage, this is a huge deal for ESPN. Uh, the fact that even some of the headlines about the national title game are being overshadowed because uh -huh. of Pat McAfee's words is already something. But do you think there's going to be a moment or anything where tomorrow he addresses it or something happens where we're brought back to this situation? I don't think so. Think I mean, he might mention it. He might mention it on his show, which obviously has a much smaller viewership than uh, the uh, than the larger 
game itself and the pregame and all the hoopla surrounding that. But I don't even think that's going to happen, Charlie. I, I think basically he said what he believed. ESPN is not going to take any action against him for saying what he believes. And to me, this is a sign of sort of a new era where talent has different rules. You know how in football, the star quarterback can get away with things that the guy on special teams can't. (laughs) When you decide, according to the reports out there, that you're going to pay a guy $18 million a year and you're going to give him carte blanche and say, hey, basically you can do on your show what you decide to do. The same rules don't apply that would apply to somebody making $500,000 or a quarter million dollars a year. I would say, you know, back in the day, there used to be uh, in the NBA, they would always talk about the Jordan rules, right? The superstar even got beneficial calls. Uh, I think if you're Stephen A, I think if you're Pat McAfee, I think if you're Kirk Herbstreet, if you are Scott Van Pelt, if you're Troy Aikman, if you're Joe Buck, if you're in that category where you're making 17, 15, 18, $20 million a year, I think what ESPN saying is we're going to hold you to a different standard uh, and give you a lot more leeway than we are anyone else. And I think that represents quite a bit of a change, honestly, because you remember like Bill Simmons, Charlie, back in the day, he used to get constantly in trouble over the years. Tony Kornheiser, they have suspended uh, for saying things about people inside of the company. And it seems to me, uh, Jamel Hill has had issues. It seems to me now they're saying talent has more of a say inside of ESPN. And I think that reflects the changing business dynamics more than anything else. Yeah. And also just the the situation that you have in this, you know, in this example is, I mean, there could be a very good chance that what he's saying is correct. And there are people within ESPN because it is very uncomfortable for them to hear the things that he's saying, to have Aaron Rodgers coming on and saying the things that he's saying. I mean, very much in opposition to the politics and the, you know, uh, normal things that we're hearing come out of in ESPN or in Disney. And, and if it does end up being true that they did try to skew the numbers or sabotage him as he as he put into his own words, uh, to take him off the air or reprimand him or have repercussions for him would look really bad for ESPN. And I think a lot of people are wise enough now where they could really just turn on ESPN as a result. Yeah, I think that's true. And I also think we don't know what his contract says. Um you know, I, I, I've always had good bosses in radio. Um, I've always had good bosses in TV. No one, I can legitimately say this, has ever come to me and said, hey, you can't talk about this subject. Hey, instead of X, you need to be talking about Y. That's never happened for me. Uh, I don't know that that's common for everyone in the industry. But McAfee said as a big deal when he went to ESPN, hey, I'm not going to change what I'm doing. And I would think he probably has some contractual protections there. And it might be a function of ESPN saying, geez, we can't pay this guy 75. We can't go Jimbo Fisher here. We can't pay him $75 million to walk away. And he may be right. There may be evidence that, uh, that this negativity about his program was spread by the guy who did it. And if he's right about that, then certainly ESPN doesn't have any redress. But I can't remember it ever happening before uh, in this measure or magnitude. But I think as soon as you take a picture of yourself with the number two overall at ESPN and post it out and say how great it was, and that guy's the boss of the yeah. guy that you called yeah, what out. Is, what does that say, right? How do you translate that? 
But yeah, I mean, Norby basically Williamson got his legs cut out from underneath him because I think there would be other talent out there. And also then remember what the precedent is that you're setting. I What Stephen A has to be sitting around. I always say, if you're talent, you want everybody to make as much money as they possibly can, right? Like I, it's like being a quarterback in the NFL. Everybody you want making more money because when your contract comes up, you want to get paid. Um, but also you want the precedent set to be consistent. Um, and not everybody is on the level of making $17, $18 million a year like Pat McAfee is. But where is that line drawn yeah. in terms of what you can and cannot say on ESPN? It would have been one thing if he had said it in an interview uh, with someone else. But to do it on the network air and then have everybody at ESPN, basically it appears, line up behind him and there be no consequences for what he said. Uh, is uh, is certainly very, very fascinating. You know better than anybody, too. It's There's a lot of palace intrigue and politics and yeah. power struggles at all media companies. And so uh, maybe some of the higher-ups weren't even that upset uh, that Pat McAfee took a shot here because they wanted to undercut the power of this guy, too. You don't ever know all of the internal dynamics at any company, particularly media companies. But this, to me, is a really sexy story. And I don't think it's just some inside media story. The amount of interest that people seem to have. Conflict, oh, yeah. you know, you worked in the WWE, you've worked in the UFC. Conflict makes people care. Without conflict, there is no story, by and large. Uh, and so people love conflict. They like to be the the rubberneckers who look off to the side and say, ooh, what's going on over oh, of there? Um, it's it The gossip and the fun is uh, is a part of, uh, of all human life, I think. And this is a good example of that. Yeah, well, especially when you feel a connection to the story, right? Like you mentioned before, I covered Pat McAfee while I was covering the Colts years ago, even before he became a broadcaster. Oh, yeah. I worked for ESPN. I knew Norby Williamson. He was someone I had several meetings with when I was looking for opportunities, when I was looking for direction, for guidance. Obviously, knowing he was a high-up guy, he was someone that you wanted to have in your back pocket. Um, so, yeah, when I saw this story, I literally was like, damn. I mean, this this to me is juicy. So how, I did you, how did you assess it before you knew how it was going to play out? Were you like, ESPN is going to have to do something here? Or what was your thought? I mean, honestly, I thought to myself, it would be astonishing if ESPN didn't do something because it sets the biggest precedent where yes. you are giving all of this power to talent and saying, listen, you can get away with all of this because ultimately now they're, sh they're, they're really showing we need you more than you need us. Yes. If, if Pat McAfee goes away, that is going to cause an earthquake at ESPN. Yeah. They can't afford that right now. So I think right now they have just lost so much leverage in so many different ways. Um, so, you know, so I thought, you know, they, they should do something, but they can't. And now that we've gotten to the point now where we just saw this photo with, you know, Magnus Burke and Pat Burke Mas Magnus. Yes. Burke uh, Magnus. But his, I keep, uh, I keep his, transposing. If you were on a plane flight, that's how they would announce his name. Yeah, there you go. Um, you know, that just says something, I mean, even further. So um, honestly, I love Pat. I think he's great. And I love how authentic he is. Um, he's one of the most genuine people in the business. Uh, I think it's fantastic, and I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that this happened. The precedent is going to be interesting to follow from here because, uh, you, generally speaking, you try to keep the dirty laundry out of public view. This was as public as it can possibly be, yeah. and now McAfee has emerged, I think, in a stronger position. And if you're Stephen A., uh, or someone else who's on daily at ESPN, and you've got issues with someone in management, I think you just saw, as you hit on, 
the the idea at ESPN now that the platform and management matters more than mm-hmm. the talent has been stricken. And by the way, I should mention this. I think there's the fact that a lot you're a good example recently, but I think historically the fact that many people left and have gotten bigger, uh, Fox has been a part of that. Aaron Andrews certainly didn't lose any of her popularity yeah. by joining Fox. Colin Cowherd arguably has gone to a different level, better level, even than he was before. Skip Bayless brought massive amounts of viewers that people did not believe necessarily would happen. Um, So I think there's been a lot of people in a post ESPN life outside of that universe that have had a lot of success. And I think that uh, has now translated into talent not being as afraid to leave the network as they might have been a decade ago. And certainly the first guy to have tremendous success and leave that I can remember was Dan Patrick. But uh, but there are several examples yeah. um, uh, out there in media of people who left ESPN and have done fantastically well now. Oh, and I'm sure a lot of them aren't missing living in Bristol, Connecticut, right? You <laughs> still have massive success and live somewhere where you can enjoy your life and not be surrounded by- Well, especially if you're a young single person, I right? I mean, I yeah. think if you're a dad like I am, like, I'm no, sure believe Bristol me, Clay, is- believe me. When I tell you Bristol is horrible, it is one of the worst places. I actually Even saved- for a dad and a mom, it's yes, horrible. I even saved my kids. room key. I saved my room key from the double tree. That's like the whole, that's the whole, there's, I mean, there's next to nothing in Bristol. I had to go up to Bristol quite a bit in my last year there. And I saved my double tree room card. So when I ever thought to myself, you know, do I miss working here? I would look at my room key and say, hell no, I mean, it is miserable. I, you know what? I've never even been to Bristol in my whole life. So I don't even have any actual, I've heard the stories about how awful it is, but uh, but I've never actually experienced it myself. Yeah, they say the best part about Bristol is when you see it in the rear view mirror. So yes. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to the national championship game. Uh, obviously, Pat McAfee going to be all over the coverage there. Uh, but this is such an interesting game just because of all of the storylines surrounding it. Pac-12, no longer after the season, uh, but here they are on the verge of potentially winning a national championship, you know, with Washington uh, headlining for them. And then you have Jim Harbaugh who, yeah, you know, all the drama surrounding him this season. And who knows what happens to him? If they win, if they lose, is, does he stay at Michigan? Does he go to the NFL? Um, what do you think? Who's going to go out in style in this one? Well, and to me, the storylines are, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty epic here. Uh, and like I said, I'll, I'll be hopping a flight and going down to this tomorrow with my Michigan. I had no idea flight. your mother, I mean, your mother. Yeah. she's not your mother definitely not your wife was a Michigan grad yeah she's born and raised Michigan girl so wow. she wanted to go to this game she said you know it's been a long time since Michigan's been in a game this big uh so uh so we're going to be there in person I'm just going to be in the stands um been fortunate to go to a lot of these games as uh as media over the years but I'll be in the stands um look I, I think you hit on the Harbaugh angle and the fact that he could ride off into the sunset as a champion and then have a big decision to make. Do I want to get a $100 million contract from Michigan? Or do I want to get a $100 million contract from the NFL? That's right. a good options to have, right? Uh, and uh, and he would be the conquering hero. He would be a legend in Michigan athletics. Remember, they've only won one half of a national championship, I think, since the 1950s. They won with Charles Woodson back in 1997, a split national title with Nebraska. Otherwise, I think you have to go back to the 1950s for the last time Michigan won a title, which given as storied as this program is, kind of talks about the rarefied air that they're in right now. Uh, And you look at uh, all the talent on Michigan, Blake Corum in particular, guys who came back for a chance to win a championship, to have a 15-0 season would be one of the greatest seasons in the history of college football. 
on the Wolverine side. On the other side, Michael Penix Jr. Uh, is an incredible story. Probably should, and I've been arguing this for years, they should vote for the Heisman Trophy after the full season is over. And I think if people did that, I think Michael Penix Jr. would end up being the Heisman Trophy winner this year, particularly if he wins this game as well. Uh, this is a guy with a star-crossed pass. Tennessee pulled their scholarship offer from him. He goes to Indiana. He gets injured there. He ends up in Michigan, just develops into an incredible sterling passing quarterback. Got a brand new, relatively speaking, head coach without a lot of experience uh, you know, on the big stage that has brought his own team with him. Uh, it's the last year, as you mentioned, of the Pac-12 to have a 14-0 and team trying to go to 15-0. and We haven't seen it in the Pac-12 since USC, the Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, Pete Carroll dynasty that they had out there. Uh, and if Washington gets this win, uh, then all of a sudden the Pac-12 is back on the national stage right as they leave to go become Big Ten rivals. Uh, I'm actually going to take Washington plus the four. I've been a disaster making my picks in college football this year. So that might be the best thing that Wolverine fans have ever heard. Do not tell my wife yet who has not heard that pick uh, because uh, she will be very unhappy with me for picking against her Wolverines. Uh, but I just feel like it's a star-crossed year for Washington. I like the value on them as the underdog. Uh, and I feel like Michael Penix Jr., or Jim Harbaugh, in some sense, are the two sort of guys who will ride off into the sunset, potentially, based on what happens here uh, with a happy ever after ending or not. And uh, I think this should be a great one. Relatively low scoring, I think. Uh, and, and I feel like uh, Washington finds a way to keep it within a field goal uh, one way or the other, which is why I like them plus four. Okay. All right. Well, we hopefully your wife is 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 not close <laughs> to you right now uh, because you're gonna have to travel with her to uh, to the That's game. That's correct. Uh, in yes. Houston. Um, okay. That's cool. And now let's you know there's the whole really a lot a lot of situations that are happening in college football right now. People have some real problems with uh, yeah. the transfer portal being a major one. Um, we saw. I mean, like talking about bowl games. Uh, Florida State undefeated got completely blown out by Georgia, 63 to yeah. 63 to, to three uh, right. players opting out 20 plus players. And uh, a lot of that having to do with, you know, the fact that they want to transfer and the, the, the dates of the transfer portal, when it opens, it opens before the bowl games even begin. Uh, there's a, a likelihood that that could get moved or changed. We don't know, uh, but there's definitely something wrong. The whole NIL landscape needs a little bit of ironing out. Uh, I think a lot of people would say, if you had to pinpoint one thing that needs to be changed as far as the college football season goes, what would you say? Um, I think that it's a combination of NIL, but with unrestricted transfers. So my suggestion would be when you sign with a team, I think you should have to stay with them for at least two or three years. So coming out of uh, college, uh, coming out of high school, if you're 17 or 18 years old, um, you sign with the program. I don't think you can have unlimited, unrestricted transfers where everybody can leave after one year. Right now, they're allowing unlimited transfers because of a recent court hearing. So you get more than one. Uh, and an easy way to explain this is, let's say uh, I've got, uh, I'm 17 years old, or I've got a 17-year-old that I'm marketing. He signs as a 17 or 18-year-old multi-hundred-thousand-dollar deal with the school that he goes to. He goes and performs at a really high level. Then he can go into the transfer portal after his freshman year, sign a new deal, 
Uh, in theory, right now, where you allow multi-transfers, he could then leave after his sophomore year, go to a new team after his for his junior year. I mean, you can in the NFL, if you go pro, you are locked in as a first-round draft pick for at least four years. All draft picks are locked to the team that got them for four years. Um, and then you become a free agent. Uh, so you have a fifth-year option for first-round draft picks in the NFL. I believe uh, that is the longest term that you can be after going uh, getting drafted. Then you become a free agent. So I'm not opposed to free agency, and I'm not opposed to players getting paid, but I don't think you can have perpetual free agency. That doesn't exist anywhere in any sport. The NBA doesn't have it. The NFL doesn't have it. Major League Baseball doesn't have it. So what you really need is a collective bargaining agreement in order to get that, you have to have the players become employees. You basically have to go back to the drawing board and recreate it. Here's an easy example I would say, give you, Charlie, that's outside of the world of athletics. Remember when the Berlin Wall came down and suddenly uh, Russia and Germany and all these other East Germany, all these places that had otherwise been communistic became free market. And they went so far free market, like all of a sudden you could sell your kidney in like Russia and like they would sell everything. Like some guy was just out on the street selling missiles and like rocket launchers. Like they went from complete market restriction under communism to an unrestricted capitalistic environment almost overnight when the Berlin wall came down. That's kind of what I would characterize college football as becoming like, and you need some sort of safeguards and rules to protect the essence it is, of the, the sport the game, itself. The college football is getting destroyed right now. I mean, I, I feel like that. It's, it's, it, it, without, it like it when you don't, here's what, what easily could happen, right? If a multi-billionaire fan, let's pretend Elon Musk was a huge college football fan. If he decided, hey, I really want my team to win every game. I'm going to donate a billion dollars, which is a relatively small amount to him to my college's NIL collective, they could sign 25 players every year and give them multi-million dollar contracts just based off the billion dollars he's got. At some point, that's going to happen because when you have no rules, eventually that gets exploited. It's why every league except for baseball has a salary cap uh, because sports is unique in that the competition is the business. In other words, if there isn't good competition, people don't watch. Um, And so you need teams to be able to compete. Sports is one of the only businesses where you're not trying to put your opponent out of business. The Dallas Cowboys kicked the crap out of the Washington team uh, tonight. Uh, And, you know, the benefit is Dallas gets the NFC East championship, but Washington comes back and plays next year. You can't beat a team so bad that they don't exist anymore. The business isn't about destroying. It's not like Walmart, which puts Kmart out of business eventually, uh, or Netflix, which puts Blockbuster out of business. The competition itself is the business. And so you need rules that make the competition as fun and engaging and enjoyable as it can be for fans. And that's what college football's got to figure out. Oh, well, it seems like they have a lot to figure out, uh, if that's the case. Uh, okay, no let's, doubt. let's quickly pivot to NFL before I let you go. Weird season, Clay. I don't know. This just feels like a weird season. All the teams that you expect to get hot at the end have been going in the opposite direction. Lots of backups, stealing headlines. Joe Flacco, the man of the hour. Uh, For all we know, the Cleveland Browns could be in the Super Bowl, which is just strange to think about. What's your, you know, as we we wrap up, 
the regular season biggest takeaway or what, well, what do you think we should expect to see in the playoffs or if you want to go as far as the Super Bowl, you can go there. Yeah, look, I, I think the 49ers are the best team. I know they just lost at home to the Ravens, who are the best team in the AFC in the regular season. I, I My predictions, the 49ers are going to end up winning the Super Bowl. Um, so that's who I think is going to emerge from the NFC. Uh, and I think the Ravens uh, will emerge from the AFC, although I would say the Bills maybe as a dark horse because they're playing well coming down the stretch. And at some point, I'd like to see the Bills actually win a Super Bowl. My ideal my ideal team selection, though, would be your the Browns, who you just mentioned, and Joe Flacco going head-to-head against the Detroit Lions. I think if we had a Cleveland versus Detroit Super Bowl, that might be a sign of the apocalypse, which yeah. there may be a lot of in 2024, let's be honest. Um, and so we'll that get it started early. That, why not, right? If it's going to go if it's going to go in that direction, let's just make it quick. Yeah, no doubt. We might as well enjoy it on its way out uh, and, and make a 2024 <laughs> end early. Um, but uh, but that, I, I think you're right. I think it's as wide open as it's been in a very long time. Uh, obviously, you, you, and you fans, like that though. You like that as, as oh, a yeah. football fan. I, you I love see. not knowing what's going to happen. I would like to see some teams that maybe haven't. That's why I said I'd like the Browns and the Lions. I'd like to see long-suffering fan bases or the Bills rewarded uh, for a change, uh, as opposed to seeing the same teams uh, advance the championship. And look, the Eagles have fallen apart down the stretch here. They were in the Super Bowl last year, and they look like a team uh, that is ripe for an upset. The Bucks, who thought Baker Mayfield. Uh, was going to go down to Tampa Bay and and win that division for a third straight year, even without Tom Brady. They get to host a home playoff game. And down in Houston, where I'm going to be tomorrow, C.J. Stroud, out of nowhere, one of the best rookie seasons ever. The Texans were a disaster the last couple of years, the whole Deshaun Watson mess. And now they may have a better version of Deshaun Watson, younger quarterback, gets the team in. They're hosting a home playoff game. I can't wait for Wild Card Weekend. I actually think, Wild card weekend and divisional round matchups are way more interesting than the AFC and the NFC championship games and the Super Bowl, which I enjoy, but I just like the cavalcade and chaos of all the different games going on. Uh, the fact I think, well, we got six games in wild card weekend. We'll follow it up with four in the divisional round weekend. Um, that is tough to beat those 10 games compared to the three to finish the season. All right. Well, hey, we, we covered a lot. Uh, welcome back home. Uh, Australia yeah. for three Here's weeks. a question for you. Australia yeah. was amazing. Do you think that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey will get engaged in 2024? Oh gosh, that it. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say yes because I had so many doubts surrounding this relationship, and it has completely blown my mind. They seem totally in love, and you know, stranger things have happened. So yes, I think. Uh, I think Travis is here to stay. All right, so you're on a yes train. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I get. I think they will get engaged in 24. I'm not sure the wedding ever happens, but I do think. The oh, okay. Well, you know that that would be exciting though. That'll that'll make some headlines. It'll be good drama. I like. I always like to say I love drama in everybody's life, but my own. Oh, of course. That's. I mean, that's how everybody. Yes. Is. But ultimately, it has to be someone's life who gets dramatic. So you know. Yes. Maybe eventually it will be mine. Who knows? Uh, Clay, good luck. Hey, thank you so much, and uh, we will talk soon. Happy New Year. Go to Australia for anybody out there who gets the chance. It was incredible. Outkick the Morning will be right back after a short break. Stay tuned.
Okay, and a little bit of news on the Black Monday front. Just in the past few minutes, we now know that the general manager is out with the Carolina Panthers. They already fired their head coach earlier in the season. Uh, also, Ron Rivera out with the Commanders after four losing seasons. Now, of course, everyone's eyes on Foxborough. What exactly is going to happen with Bill Belichick? But also, we cannot neglect to remember that all eyes, all everyone really cares about today other than seeing what happens with the coaches of their beloved NFL teams, is the national championship. So a few days ago, I caught up with Nate Ebner. He's a guy who knows a thing or two about facing Michigan in a pressure cooker of a game and also realizes the stakes for his former coach, Bill Belichick, on this Black Monday. All right, and I am now joined by Nate Ebner. A couple of accolades to his name, not small ones, might I add. Uh, three-time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots, also an Ohio State alum. Uh, but let's begin with the college scene because we have a big national championship co game coming up, Nate. Obviously, mm -hmm. you being from Ohio State knows what it feels like to be in big-time, high-pressure games, especially when it comes to being up against Michigan. Uh, yeah. So let's start there. Uh, Michigan obviously taking on Washington. But looking back to your college days, what do you remember most? when it came to playing Michigan? Oh man, what do I remember most? Um, you know, what comes to mind initially is just the, the year long process of how big that game was and how important it, it was to Ohio state and, and, you know, what it meant to be a part of that rivalry. And, you know, every week we were talking about Michigan at some length that, you know, not a lot at the beginning of the season, but we're always talking about them and, it's a year long process and, and it builds up to be this huge thing. And um, it's, you know, one of the most important things you do as an Ohio State Buckeye football player. So I would just say that anticipation and preparation throughout the year leading to that one moment um, is unlike anything I've ever done in sports. So you you say you talked about it and, and it would really this the conversations and discussions would ramp up, you know, as, as your game drew closer. What were those mm -hmm. conversations like what exactly was said? Yeah, I mean, I think um, obviously you talk about them as a football team, right? Breaking down film um, little by little, what they do in the kicking game, what they like to do on first and second down, stuff like that. Um, but what I really remember is like the offseason workouts. We'd have like a day that was just dedicated towards Michigan and everything in the weight room, you know, had their helmets crossed out and um, stuff like that, where it just like the whole motivation of the workout itself was just about beating Michigan. So um, those things I thought were really cool, fun. You know, you're always looking to motivate guys and, and bring energy to it. And, and it was cool to always do it um, with that respect. And yeah, I mean, we we talk about how big that game was. We'd have speakers come in and, you know, talk about oh, what wow. that game meant to them. Um, previous coaches, you know, Earl Bruce was a big one. Yeah. Um, that would talk about the Michigan game and, and how important it was at Ohio state. And, um, you know, throughout the year, you're just constantly being reminded of this game. So, uh, and, and all aspects, I'd say the, the workouts and, and the speakers coming in to tell their perspective of, of their experiences, uh, were always my favorite. So what was the record of your squad? What was it versus Michigan while you were in school? I played um, only three years at Ohio State, and we won two and, and lost my senior year. My senior year was um, 2011, and we that's when, you know, the tattoo scandal 
yeah. uh, happened at Ohio State, which nowadays no one would care if you got a free tattoo. It's crazy. <laughs> times have changed. But... Yeah, times times have definitely changed. A tattoo right. would be like the least of anybody's worries at this point. Um, right. Okay, so what was the, the emotion like following a win versus a loss to Michigan since you've experienced both? Um, it's, I mean, it's everything, especially like when you're playing at Ohio State, like you're playing, I mean, this year is a great example of that you're playing for a national championship and you need to win that game, let alone the rivalry itself. Um, and all the people before you who, who have won, you don't want to be the one to lose. And, you know, the previous years, uh, in my college career, when we won getting those gold pants, like I didn't realize that's something you at Ohio state, if you beat Michigan, you get a pair of gold pants. That's like the tradition because, oh, cool. um, when, you know, Michigan used to beat up on Ohio state way back in the day, uh, they had a coach that said they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like we do. And then that would, became a tradition once they beat them was everyone got a pair of gold pants. And that's probably the most prestigious thing that you can have as as a Buckeye football player. So getting that, like, I guess I didn't realize how important that would be to me. So getting those gold pants was awesome. And then, you know, being a senior, you're just like the leaders on the team and you want to go out with the bang and like having lost my senior year just like was crushing and not getting the gold pants and um you know just kind of coming up short and uh yeah it it left a sting like i can't say many games have i mean we lost the super bowl to the eagles but i didn't i didn't play in that game so it was different for me um but yeah i'd say that was up there with kind of my biggest heartbreaks uh on any sports field that i've had and maybe the Olympics, losing the Olympics hurt probably the most. <laughs> okay, so losing to Michigan, one of the most heartbreaking moments in your playing career up against, you know, obviously losing the Super Bowl and the Olympics, uh, all of which I can totally understand. So now when you look back on it, because now I imagine you'll be watching watching the national championship on Monday. Yeah. Is there something inside of you where you're like, listen, Michigan looks good, but I, I just don't have it in me to cheer for them. Or is that not how it goes? That's such a good question. And I think like a lot of Buckeye nation has that conflict, right? I have that talk with my family about, you know, if you're diehard Ohio state, you can never root for Michigan, like at all costs. And I totally respect and understand that perspective. You know what I mean? I, I totally get that. But at the same time, I'm also like, from from the family of like look they're from the big 10 they represent us our mm -hmm. only loss this year was to michigan who is right now the number one team in the country who's undefeated i mean i think they represent the big 10 as a whole they represent us as the only team that we lost to i, I absolutely hate michigan when they're playing against ohio state or really anyone else in the big 10 but right now they're kind of carrying the flag for us if you're if you're a big 10 you know fan and playing in the NFL, as long as I did, you know, you get a lot of SEC guys. And so for me, the amount of just SEC is better than everyone. And, you know, I'm a Big Ten guy. I, I really want to see, you know, them beating Alabama was great. I thought, um, you know, I really thought they dictated that game, especially considering all the bad things that happened in that game to them. And then for them to find a way to win, um, you know, Alabama really had that quarterback run going. But other than that, I thought Michigan's defense was really good, solid. The run game is strong. And, uh, you know, McCarthy did what he had to do. So I think they have a really strong team. I was glad that they beat that SEC team. And um, at this point, you know, I, I again, I just for me, they represent the Big Ten. And I, and right. I, I want to see them 
you know, finish, I want the Big Ten to walk out as, as mm -hmm. national champions. It sucks that it's Michigan. Like, I hate it. And because in reality, I feel that we played such a good game against them, just a couple plays short. I mean, that would be us, right? So yeah. it's, it's kind of like I can't. I totally get it. I totally, I totally get it. It's kind of like thing. the push in the pool, but I respect yeah. it. My father also, um, and my father's a diehard Indiana fan, uh, basketball, but um, he's always been of the mindset. I would, I would want, still want it to be a Big Ten team, if not Indiana. So I can respect where you're coming from. Um, yeah. But, you know, when you look at Jim Harbaugh's record against Ohio State, first five years he was with the program, losses to Ohio State. Last three years, mm -hmm. wins. Interesting, because when you compare it to another coach that you are very familiar with, Bill Belichick, uh, his records, you know, in terms of good versus bad, have actually been the opposite. Uh, the past couple seasons have been really rough on Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Uh, yeah. What would you pinpoint as being the real issue there? With the Patriots? Yeah. I mean, I mean they're they're obviously before, out of playoff contention now. Like, they're, they're right. season, you know, after this next uh, week or so, is it's done. So Right. Well, I mean, before I comment on that, I do want to say Michigan's football team is a different football team the last couple years than, mm -hmm. it, than it was for 20 years. I mean, yeah. maybe 15. I mean – when I was there, they weren't like they are now. Even when Urban was coaching, they were good, but they weren't like they are now. They were like a legit team. And I think, you know, um, Jim Harbaugh has done a good job in in, in building that, recruiting and, and putting together a good football team. So, I mean, um, they're tougher than they've ever been. That's all yeah, I want to say. That. Absolutely. But I think everyone would agree with that statement. I think the Patriots, though, it's like – you know, we just had that long run where you had so many veterans in that locker room and obviously goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway, you know, you had the goat, you had Tom mm -hmm. Brady kind of running the show, but along with that, you had so many, you know, eight plus year veterans that had been in that program that built that culture that knew what the expectations were and knew how to work and um, knew how to grind when things got tight and how to win games. And I think when you lose, that core of veteran guys, you lose the goat. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like a, it's like a rebuild, you know? And I think Bill has done such an amazing job for 20 years. I mean, the amount of Super Bowls he went to and won. Um, I mean, there's no doubt he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. So the fact that he's having a down year after, you know, a lot of those guys left, um, I can't say. Is he, is he a great coach or was he a great coach when he had the players that he did? Because now we're seeing, unfortunately, him not having the same success. And a yeah, lot of I times, mean, you, you you know, you are, it's it's the coach that makes the team, not necessarily the other way around. I wouldn't say I mean, every Bill, time. but Bill would say before anything else, players win football games. Mm -hmm. And he'll be the first to admit that. And there's no doubt about that, but there's a lot of coaches out there with a lot of good football players that yeah. don't win Super Bowls like we did, you know? So um, he got it done. I don't care who was on the team. And yeah, Tom was yes, on the you team. Are a, you are a very loyal man. I respect it. I mean, well, the truth is the truth. It's what it is. We want, I mean, how many Super Bowls did he win? Like wh what other coaches won that many Super Bowls? Right, yeah, yeah, you had Tom, but like he got it done. He brought the people around Tom to, to put the right team together and um, he did what he had to do. Um, but I think this is, you know, a down couple years where we, we got to figure it out. I think the, the best thing he did between that 2001 to 2010 group, that transition into the new young guys was really seamless. Obviously we won again in 
they went to the Super Bowl in 2007 or eight and lost to the uh, Giants. Or, and then they, you know, they went again in 2011 and lost to the Giants. So they were there. And, you know, we won again in, in 14 or 15. And um, that transition of new new blood got it done and, and came in seamlessly. Yeah. And I think they've, you know, they've, they've, they haven't quite gotten that part of it, obviously, um, with this new, new group. And, and I will say to that point, that it's a new generation. Um, these young guys are different. I remember in 2019, I'll never forget when I was, uh, you know, eighth or ninth year in the league and that group of rookies came in, they were, they were a different group of guys and that's okay. But, um, you know, you just got to talk to them differently, motivate them differently. And I think yeah. you see a lot of young coaches who've really hit the mark on that. Uh, McVeigh and McDaniels yeah, and point. some of these younger guys can really get the most out of these, this new generation. And I think there was a little bit of a miss there the last few years, but that's actually, that's a really good point. I think something that many would overlook, um, there's a different way of getting through to them, a different way of, of reaching them, relating to them. I actually, I appreciate you brought that up. Uh, but Bill Belichick, I mean, will he be a part of the Patriots future? Because we've heard rumors swirling for a long time now, Nate, whether or not he stays or he leaves the organization. What do you ultimately think is going to happen once it's all said? And I mean, done? I can't really speculate because I don't, I don't know. I think, you know, like Bill and Mr. Kraft know, and, um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked any way it played out. If if it was time for him to leave, it's going to happen. At some point, he's going to retire. He's going to go somewhere else. Like, it's absolutely going to happen. So or I'm he not going to retires gonna be... and goes nowhere else. I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's good. something's going to happen at some point. If it happened, I wouldn't be shocked. But yeah. I think we also have a lot of talk going on. And at the end of the day, he might end up in the same spot. And they just have we a like better season. We like to talk, season. though. It's all about the drama. I know. I know. But uh, I think at the end of the day, it could be just how it is. And and next season, they maybe have a better year and everybody yeah. stops talking about it. I mean, I heard about Tom getting booted from the Patriots for like half of my career with the Patriots. Yeah. And like well, he stayed God that he did, right? one more Super Bowl. So it's just uh, a, a lot of a lot of hype. I, I think at the end of the day, none of us really know. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's right there next year. Mm hmm. Uh, well, we know that the Patriots will not be in the postseason, but now we look ahead, you know, like we were just talking about to the national championship, Michigan, Washington. And I just want to have it on the record, ladies and gentlemen, we have an Ohio state former football player who's pulling for Michigan. Something I'm pulling for the big 10. Out. Let's say I'm pulling for the big 10. <laughs> I am pulling for the big 10. I think well, at the okay. end of the day, to be, nice, to be nice, pulling for the big 10, but it really needs Michigan. Um, okay. Oh, you know, Nate, they just happen to be there. They just happen okay. to be there. And Nate, thank you so much. It was really nice to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Another big thank you to Nate Ebner for hopping on the show. Uh, always interesting to hear from people who have a personal perspective of what it's like to be in these big time, time games because I'll just be honest, I don't. I know what it's like to be on the sideline but not actually in the game. Uh, now, listen, one thing I do know a little something about, though, is you need to be on your best behavior at all times these days because social media, it knows when to catch you at your worst. And unfortunately, Brittany Holmes is now learning that after a waitress in L.A. put her on blast for her cheapness. Yes, I know her husband is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, but 
Brittany Mahomes apparently does not know how to tip on her bills, at least that's according to one of the waitresses at the one hotel in West Hollywood. Now, even after racking up more than a $100 bill at the hotel bar, this waitress came and said that she didn't leave even a cent of a tip. And some people said, you know what? Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she forgot. Maybe she assumed that the tip was included on this bill. But then there were some others that had receipts. And they said, no, this is exactly who Brittany Mahomes is. She actually has a horrible reputation of stiffing service workers in her hometown now of Kansas City. So here's what those girls had to say on the Internet this weekend. Today, I realize the world doesn't like Brittany Mahomes, not because she's annoying. No, I don't like her because she doesn't tip restaurant staff. I worked at the One Hotel West Hollywood. I was a server, barista, bartender. I did every position. And I believe Brittany was in town to shop for her wedding dress. And my first interaction with her, she ran up over a $100 tab. She was with her whole posse. Uh, Patrick was not there, but I believe their tab was well over $100, maybe like $130, $0 tip. And that happens sometimes. So I was willing to let the first one slide. And I'm like, maybe she just didn't like me. Maybe it was something I said. Um, but they were there for almost a week, I think, and did not tip a single one of our staff. And not only did she not tip, she was just genuinely unpleasant. And I totally understand celebrities don't owe you anything, especially when you're out in public. As a public figure, you should always go out thinking, okay, the people I interact with are clocking these interactions and they're going to remember this. And I will always remember that, Brittany. <laughs> I only judge people based off of their character and I think one of the easiest ways to judge someone's character is how they treat someone in a position lesser than them. And let's just say, character assessed. Totally agree with this girl. I think the way that you notice that people treat people in the service industry, just as an example, is a very good indication of what their character is like. If they talk down to them, if they treat them with disrespect, uh, a lesser than attitude. Uh, so I have to say that Brittany Mahomes, this is not a good look for her. Uh, if this is in fact true, which I have to imagine it is, she said she was there for an entire week, didn't leave a tip the whole time. Maybe one time you let it slide. Like I said, you could forget. Maybe you assume that there's already that automatic gratuity added to the bill. Uh, but if it happens time and time again, you just realize that maybe Brittany Mahomes is cheap, which is wild because Patrick Mahomes is worth a ton of money. And I have to imagine, you know, being that, I know that the Mahomes do a lot of good work within Kansas City. I know that they work with other athletes. I know that they work with charities. So this really is kind of an interesting distinction from that part of the lives that they live to this, but also some other girls, we didn't get to hear from them. They chimed in on social media uh, in the comment section of this girl's video saying to everybody who wants to give Brittany the benefit of the doubt, this is something that she has built a reputation by being known by in Kansas City as well. So uh, just a little note to Brittany Mahomes, time to start tipping, trying to start showing people your appreciation because they're doing their job. They deserve to be compensated for it because I know there's a lot of people out there who don't have nearly as much money as Mahomes, and they're still leaving their fair share of a tip uh, whenever possible. So there you go, everybody. Make sure to tip your service workers. It's important. And make sure to tune in to Outkick the Morning tomorrow. Uh, another stack show, of course, the national championship game going down tonight. We'll have reaction uh, in many different aspects of the game. I'm sure many of you will be tuning in. So tomorrow you can catch the show outkick.com backslash watch. You can call, follow me on social media at Charlie on TV. And with that, have a great Monday and I will see you then.